Welcome to the original and the best Power Hour with Alex Burr and Dylan Hughes, members and podcast of the Running Hook Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Running Hooks Basketball Power Hour. I'm Alex Burr, joined once again by my great friend, Zach Griffith. Zach and I literally just finished recording part one of this podcast, which you probably heard about a month ago, if you're listening to this. (laughs) Um, We had a little discussion on DeAndre Ayton, Donovan Mitchell, all those, you know, good things you know we had a little bit of a discussion on the oklahoma city thunder that went a little bit longer <laughs> than i was expecting it to i didn't expect it but um i'm kind of glad it happened tangents happen and they're not the worst thing in the world caleb lynn um they're gonna happen here oh oh god they will <laughs> um but 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 in the tradition of throwing curveballs when you expect a fastball Zach Griffith, what are your Mount Rushmore's of songs? So basically took this as my favorite songs. Yes. Which is an impossible question, but I went with my four favorite songs today. So my favorite song is Tonight Tonight by the Smashing Pumpkins. Okay. Who also my favorite band, the Smashing Pumpkins. Then I'm going with Where Are We Going by Marvin Gaye. Big Marvin Gaye guy. I actually have, I think I have three Marvin Gaye vinyls. I love Marvin Gaye. Then I'm going with Little Wing by Jimi Hendrix. My only complaint about that song is that I wish it was longer. It's only like two minutes. And then I'm going with American Girl by Tom Petty. So so that is my Mount Rushmore of songs. American Girl means a lot to me personally it's also a featured song in one of my favorite movies of all time silence of the lambs pretty prominently featured in that movie uh, but i remember where i was the first time i, I heard all of these songs so yeah that's my mount rushmore of songs right there what's funny zach is that i don't think i've heard any of those songs <laughs> but <laughs> well i I am actually like I'm pretty notorious among my friends of having the oldest music taste, as you can see right there. Like the newest artists I list, I listed there is the Smashing Pumpkins, who I think were formed in 1989. So there you go. Well, my list isn't only song I have. I have one song that was formed in the 2000s. So mine isn't much more current than yours. Um, my first okay. song is Bohemian Rhapsody. I like it. Just a perfect song on all levels. Like I one just of the like, greatest songs of all time. Yes. And without it, a it, doubt. It's, it's kind of cheating, but also it's kind of not just like the transitions, the you know, operatic elements, just beautiful song. Second song, Rock With You by Michael Jackson. I love that song. It's my favorite Michael Jackson song. Um, Off the Wall. It was his first album with Quincy Jones. Coincidentally, his best. <laughs> right. And Quincy Jones, just all-time great producer. I mean, Zach, I mean, one of the greatest movie soundtrack themes of all time, the theme for Austin Powers. 
Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Quincy Jones. Quincy, Quincy Jones, Jones has contributed a lot to film. To like, film, to music, to life. Yeah. Have you read those Quincy Jones features? <laughs> I mean, he is the father of Rashida Jones. Yes. So there you go. Um, American Pie. American Pie. I like that. I and like then that. my last song is Mad City by Kendrick Lamar. Um, That's fair. I think it's the perfect rap song. And like any song with a beat switch is perfect, but I think it's loud <laughs> and it just it has a good message and it's it's just a great song. I, I don't have the adjectives to describe it because we got a long we got a long one, folks, and I don't really have the, the breath to describe it. Zach, are you ready for the NBA Mount Rushmore's? I, I know you're. I know you've been waiting for this for a while. I've been waiting for this for a while. I put in a lot of prep for this. You know, I like my honorable mentions as well. I don't want anybody to feel left out. I mean, I'm a... Like I was saying before part one of this pod, I feel like I let my bias show through quite a bit, especially when we're talking about NBA and NFL for that matter. But... I consider myself an NBA history buff. I take NBA history very seriously. Legacies of players, I take very seriously. So this pod is right up my alley. I really, I honestly can't wait. I have takes. I actually have stories. Some of these players, I have firsthand stories, accounts with some of these players. So I, I can't I am, wait for you to. I am. You <laughs> I am hyped to share those. I have the some of the same material. I didn't go overboard like I did last time, but Zach and I did a um, just a city Mount Rushmore pod in October of 2020. I looked it up. It's been a while. Yeah. Um, I peppered those with jokes. I didn't do as many jokes this time, but it's funny because we went we started off hard. We went whole ass cities <laughs> instead yes. of like just teams. We probably should have done that, but this is. <laughs> You know, you only live once, right? So what let's just start like when you were considering this, what would what was your top of mind when you were considering the Mount Rushmores? So I went with I mean, I'll just be frank. Like I went with which players mean the most to the fan bases. Because I feel like I always come at these pods, not just these types of pods, but any pod from a fan point of view. Uh, and that's kind of how I went at these these Mount Rushmore's is which players mean the most to the fan bases and I also tried to like teams that have really rich histories like the Celtics for example I tried to split it up like one player from each era of that team's history interesting so, like for the Celtics I have I mean, I got two locks for the Celtics, but then I the other two players I picked were from different eras in which they won titles and just a player to represent that era of the team. And I also went, in some cases, for some teams, I just went the best four players from that, from that time. But for the most part, I mean, the best four players in the franchise history, but for the most part, I went 
which player means the most to the fan base, which player accomplished the most. So for the most part, from a fan point of view, I will say I did do a lot of that, but I also, there, there are going to be some Zach that didn't like accomplish a lot in like the traditional sense. Like, I'm just going to say one now, Tony Allen, right? Tony Allen didn't accomplish a lot in the traditional sense. Right. But I mean, some of these guys that made it, if you look at, if you just look at their individual resume, you're like, really, really? Mm -hmm. But like, if you think about what he means to the team, like Tony Allen, for example, what he means to the team, right. Especially a young, historically speaking, young team, like the Grizzlies. Yes. Like it makes perfect sense. Tony Allen would make it. Yes. Now, like, compared to a guy I'm sure neither of us had, right? Like Bruce Bowen. Now the Spurs, Spurs in the grand scheme are still a young-ish team. Like I think the Spurs are what? About 50-ish years old, give or take. I think they're, I think they were what? 1968, 69. They were an ABA team. So they're still young-ish, but there's no way Bruce Bowen is sniffing the Mount Rushmore. For the Spurs, no, because they're, like they're some of these teams, like Bruce Bowen has his number retired by the Spurs, but in no way was I considering him for yeah their Mount Rushmore. Like I understand what he means for Spurs history, but no, no, he wasn't sniffing the Mount Rushmore. So I understand what you're saying. And I definitely, I had in some places, I had some coaches. Like I think some coaches meant a whole lot to their cities. Like I think, and you'll you'll understand in some of the places, like. Some some coaches just mean more in different places, right? Like, I'll just say, like, I didn't have Red Hour back, but in other places I did. And that might be a little bit of a giveaway, but I think now's a good time to just go ahead and start. And Zach, why don't you go ahead and start? Who are your four for the Atlanta Hawks? The Atlanta Hawks. So this was actually really tough because <laughs> some of these players, I'm going to say for some of these teams, like, you're going to be like, huh? Really, him? Like he's on a Mount Rushmore for an NBA team. But also, like I said at the beginning, like I wanted to cover for some of these teams, I wanted to cover each era. So my number one for the Hawks, I had two locks for the Hawks. Not Dominique Wilkins and Bob Pettit. Those okay. were always going to be the locks. Dominique Wilkins, who uh didn't make the NBA fifty greatest, which is probably the biggest travesty when they put that together in 1996, he didn't make the 50 greatest. He made the 75 greatest. So they kind of made up for it, but it was a joke. He didn't make the 50 greatest. And I actually have a hot take on Dominique Wilkins. I think the Lakers made a mistake drafting James worthy. I think they should have drafted Dominique Wilkins. Showtime would have been. (laughs) (laughs) I think they made a mistake, but that's that's for another time. I also didn't think James Worley deserves to be in the 50 greatest, but that's for another pod. Uh, So Dominique Wilkins and Bob Pettit. My point is James Worley is one of the most overrated players of all time. Uh, Dominique Wilkins, Bob Pettit. Then I'm going Pete Maravich. Okay. And then this one might be a hot take, might not. I'm going Joe Johnson. I'm going Joe Johnson because he led the Hawks back to the playoffs in 08. They hadn't made the playoffs since 99, which I believe at that point 
in my research I discovered was the longest playoff drought in the league up to that point. The active playoff drought. So Joe Johnson led the Hawks back to the playoffs. He also pushed... He was the best player on a team that pushed the Celtics to seven games in the first round. The Celtics who went on to win the title. So... That's my four. Dominic Wilkins, Bob Pettit, Pete Maravich, Joe Johnson. My honorable mentions were Al Horford, Trey Young, Lenny Wilkins, and Dikembe Mutombo. So, I had your two locks. Your yeah. top two honorable mentions were my last two spots. Now, you could, wow. accuse, me of, you could accuse me of recency bias. You had Horford and Trey Young on the Mount Rushmore? Yes. I now, like for- it. Now for Trey Young, okay. I'm not gonna push back. I like it. Trey Young. I honestly, Zach, as crazy, I probably shouldn't have done this. I had Trey Young in the second spot because Trey Young led them to a conference finals already. And that was Trey Young's conference finals. Well, not just Trey Young's conference finals. That was also Ben Simmons passing up the dunk, but they were winning by 10 <laughs> when that happened. So like Trey Young led them to that conference finals full stop. That was his team. Right. No other Atlanta athlete. No, no, not no other Atlanta athlete. Um, no other Atlanta Hawk has led the Hawks to that level of, of success. Really ever. Cause Bob Pettit did most of his damage in St. Louis. Right. Like the Atlanta Hawks. I want to say, cause Dominique Wilkins never made it to the conference finals. So I want to say, because they made the conference finals in 2015 when they won the the 60 game season, the yes, 60 win season. So I want to say that was the first. That it was, was the, only the second conference finals they had yes. made in Atlanta. Is that possible? Yes. That sounds right. And My Trey God. did it in his third season. He has been a monster his entire time in the NBA. He is only getting better. Um, I don't think he's likely to leave Atlanta. Now, as for or- as for Horford, right? He, I wanted to put Horford on. I really did. Horford, to me, you could attribute a lot of the Johnson success to Horford. Yes, and Horford was there for nine years, right? Oh seven to two thousand sixteen, till he left in free agency. Um. That was probably the most successful era in franchise history until he, uh, okay. I can't say the most successful era in franchise history. The East was stacked in the eighties. So Dominique, right. the Hawks were good. They weren't great. So they, they couldn't really sneak into the, the conference finals, right? Like the way those Derek Harper Mavericks could, right. Or the way, you know, <laughs> some of those other Western conference teams could in the eighties, right. They didn't really have a chance to sneak into yeah. the conference finals. So the, but Al Horford led them to a level of competency. They were competent before Joe Johnson left. They were competent after he left, after they got Millsap and Corver and Teague. So that's why I put him over Johnson personally. I like it. Um, I wanted to put Horford on there, like I said, but I just felt like Joe Johnson, you know, he was he was one of the great scorers of that decade and he did most of his damage with the Hawks. So I put him on there for that reason, but I actually like you having Trey young on there because 
like you said, made the conference finals. I think it's only the second time in their Atlanta history that they made the conference finals. And he's one of, I actually think he's going to stay in Atlanta. I think that trend is going to come back. Teams keeping their franchise guys. Like I think Luke is going to stay in Dallas. I think Tatum's going to stay in Boston. I think Booker's going to stay in Phoenix. Like Giannis is going to stay in Milwaukee. Like I think this trend is going to come back. At least I hope so. The fan in me hopes so. So I like it. I like your Mount Rushmore for the Hawks. So let's go ahead and move on to the Boston Celtics. I think we both agree there are two locks here. It's Bill Russell and Larry Bird. Yes. The question is, Zach, who are your last two? Well, I just want to say a couple things on Larry Bird. So he won three MVPs in a row, which will probably never be done again. And then in his rookie season, led the Celtics to a 32-win improvement from the previous season. 32-win improvement. And led them to the East Finals in his rookie season. Won the Rookie of the Year. So just some underrated things. And I think I said earlier, average 10 rebounds for his career, which I don't think a lot of people know. So average is double-doubles for his career. So Larry Bird. Larry Bird and Bill Russell, one of... They're the two locks for the Celtics. And then the Celtics fell into that category that I was saying at the top. I wanted to cover each era. So I have Larry Bird, Bill Russell, John Havlicek. I have him as well. John Havlicek, who is one of the most underrated players of all time. He's the Celtics all-time leading scorer. I feel like most people would not guess that. I think most people would say Larry Bird was. So John Havlicek, all-time leading scorer, two champion. I mean, he won eight titles, I think, but two of the championships he won, he was the best player on the team. And then I have Paul Pierce. I also, this is, we each had each other's Rushmore in sync. I have Paul Pierce because won a championship, was the finals MVP of that team. Whether or not he should have been, you could argue. I think they were going to give it to him all the way just because he had been with them forever. You could argue Kevin Garnett should have won the finals MVP, but regardless, he has the finals MVP. He stuck with this team through thick and thin, just something you don't see nowadays. And he just belongs. I think he belongs on it. He belongs on the Mount Rushmore for the Celtics. And some honorable mentions, I had Bob Cousy, Kevin McHale, and Dave Cowens. But my Mount Rushmore, Bird, Russell, Havlicek, Pierce. The disrespect of the chief. Fine. Robert Parrish, honorable mention. <laughs> but in all seriousness, no, that's... And there's so many more you can name too, like Sam Jones. Like, the Celtics history is off the chain. Right. Just one last Tommy point Heinsen. on it. One last point on Havlicek. Probably the most enlightening thing to me about Bill Simmons' book of basketball is just how good Havlicek was. Um, because I like you wouldn't know, right? Just like looking at the stats. No. Um, Havlicek was probably the best athlete in the league. <laughs> and yes. the man had remarkable endurance. He probably could have been a star NFL receiver if he wanted to. Now, star NFL receiver in those days meant a lot different things than it does now because 
you know, that was the Jim Brown era, you know, but still just a remarkable athlete in a league full like Elgin Baylor. This, you know, the sixties still had great athletes despite, you know, what JJ Reddick might have you believe. So it just, he's a really underrated player all time. And then yeah, Paul Pierce, 15 years in Boston and a lot of ups, a lot of downs. I think he made a lot of conference finals too. Like a lot of conference finals, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, they almost made the finals in 2002, him and Antoine Walker. And then they probably, I think they would have won the title again in 2009 if Kevin Garnett hadn't got hurt. So I think they made at least three conference finals while he was there. So, so and they made two finals. He came very close to a three-peat. Very close. And he made seven second rounds with Boston four Eastern Conference Finals, which is pretty good. That's right. I forgot about 2012. Yes. So they almost so, made four finals. I mean, <laughs> you know, in terms of the modern players for the Celtics, I think Tatum should pass him up. But it's way too like the Celtics have too much history for Tatum to be on this rush more. And I don't think either of us could have considered him or Jalen Brown. No, no. Like, especially after that finals from <laughs> um, no. Garnett just, honorable mention as well. I will you know what I'm gonna say this, Zach. You haven't seen the top one hundred yet, and no one has. I don't know when the top one hundred is gonna be released um yet, but Jason Tatum dropped on the top one hundred specifically because of how bad he was in the finals. Like he was very bad. I had LeBron. I had him behind LeBron and I moved LeBron ahead of him because of how bad he was in the finals. He like, was very bad. So he was very bad in your defense. He was very bad. Yes. I don't think, I don't think I was indefensible at all. And people no. will be like, Oh, and be, he'll come out next season and be great in the regular season and be like, how do you have LeBron ahead of this guy? And then I'll be like, I was right. I was right at the time, but are we ready to move on to the Brooklyn slash New Jersey Nets, Zach? Yes, this is actually one of the harder Rushmores because I think there's I think there's one lock or maybe two. I had two locks. I okay. The other two were just. I mean, this is a team with very little history. Very yes. very little. So my lock in the Washington of this Rushmore is Jason Kidd. Yes. Jason Kidd led this team to two finals appearances. Now, granted, the East was not very good during this time, but I don't care. I don't really don't care. Two, he was the best player on two finals teams. And he was also the best or second best point guard, depending where you had Steve Nash during this time. He was the best or second best point guard in the league for a solid four to five years while he was with the Nets. So that counts for something. Um, then I have Julius Irving. He was my second. Me block. as well. You have to, we both agreed to count ABA history just because the ABA was f- fucking good, dude. It was fucking good and it matters and it counts like the NBA today owes a lot to ABA. So Julius Irving did most of his damage in the ABA, actually. So I have Irving, Kid. Then I have this is where it got tough. 
But I yes. statistically I had to put this guy. Brooke Lopez. Me too. I had to put him. You can't ignore him because he's the, he's the all-time leading scorer in this franchise's history. Did they accomplish a lot during this time? No. They went 12 and 70 one year. They went 12 and 70 one year. <laughs> like they were ass, but he statistically was one of the best centers in the league for a solid like six or seven years. Was a double-double machine. Basically unguardable. Speaking of Bill Simmons, he talks a lot about Brooke Lopez just killing the Celtics when he played for the Nets. So he had to make it, just statistically speaking. Then I had Buck Williams. (laughs) Great Buck Williams. Yes, one of the great names. He was the Nets' all-time leading scorer until Brooke Lopez came along. I don't really have much to say on Buck Williams because I don't know what to say. So that's my four. Jason Kidd, Julius Irving, Brooke Lopez, Buck Williams. Okay, we had nearly identical fours. You could probably guess who I went with instead of Buck Williams. Do you want to guess? Was it Vince Carter? It was not Vince Carter. It was he was okay. He was on that team though. Oh, Richard Jefferson? It was Richard Jefferson. Wow. Richard Jeff. I looked at the stats for Richard Jefferson and Buck Williams. They were nearly identical. I was like, Richard Jefferson made two finals with the Nets. Richard Jefferson was a bucket. Yeah. And he was really good in New Jersey. Um, yeah. I mean, it was really hard. <laughs> Richard Jefferson shouldn't be on anyone's Mount Rushmore. No, no disrespect. <laughs> but neither you say Buck what Williams. you want about the guy in his post playing career, but. No, neither should Buck Williams. But say what you want about the guy in his post-playing career. Richard Jefferson was a bucket. I mean, made the finals each of his first two seasons. And I then mean, he was 4 5 22 points, seven rebounds, four assists. And people forget, like, you know, this isn't Nets relevant, but people forget RJ was an important part, integral part of that Cavs team off the bench. Like, integral. Yeah, he actually win, was. They don't win that championship without RJ. No. So he reinvented himself as a role player. He became a very important part of their team. And I know that has no relevance to the New Jersey Nets, but that's the kind of... Honestly, it should have been Drazen Petrovic. It should have been. It should have been. He passed away on the Autobahn. Yeah. Um, the Two Brothers, 30 for 30, is one of the saddest yeah, documentaries. Was on ESPN. Yeah. Um because Drazen, I think Reggie Miller said he was the best shooter he ever saw. You know, Reggie was the just, best European players of all time. Reggie wouldn't just throw that around lightly. No. One of the best shooters of all time saying he was one of the best shooters of all time. And the Nets like you know, you could have said Michael Ray Richardson, but there was a lot of like issues with him. Right. You could have said, like, there's just so many guys they've had issues with. And it's just, they have no history to speak of. There's a few teams that are like this, that are just like terrible, terrible franchises. Really, really bad. And can I just say, you know how I feel about this sort of thing? Move back to New Jersey, please. Yes. Move back to New Jersey, please. You're never going to top the Knicks. Just move back. Go. Go back. It makes sense, though, why they sold their soul to get Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, though. Like, you can understand what the impulse 
Why? Oh, yeah. Anybody would have. I'll never blame him for doing that, but, like, just move back to New Jersey, please. Okay? That's all I ask. Move back. Um, have. And that's a weird thing to say about a team who has made two finals. Like, their history sucks. <laughs> but It's a weird thing to say, but it's true. Those finals, they were literally roadkill. Literally. Oh, yeah. They're a sacrificial lamb. I mean, I mean, Tim Duncan had a quadru- almost had a quadruple double, and nobody cares. The O2 Finals, the O2 West Finals was basically the finals. Whoever yes. won between Lakers Kings was going to win the title. And O3 Tim Duncan, nobody was beating O3 Tim Duncan is one of the greatest players of all, one of the greatest seasons of all time. Nobody's beating him. So yes, yes. you're right. They were just the, they were just a sacrificial lamb. Tim Duncan is. Or the the Eastern Conference in that time was just simply the doormat to get stomped by the Western Conference. Yes, whether it was the Lakers or the Spurs, it didn't matter. You were getting yes. you were getting stomped. Exactly. The Charlotte Hornets slash Bobcats. This one is interesting. Hey. There was, I think, <laughs> one and a half locks. Hey. I, I think there were really three locks, but. It just was so hard to find guys, like, for sure to say that we're locks. Okay, we both agree. Kemba Walker, for sure lock, right? For sure lock. Don't need to say anything about him. For sure. Who is the next... Who are the next three guys on your Charlotte Hornets Mount Rushmore? So I want to clarify. By Charlotte Hornets, we mean strictly Charlotte Hornets slash Bobcats. We don't mean... Like New Orleans history is not included. New Orleans history is not included. Teams I them as- that only played in Charlotte. Yes. Okay. So Kemba Walker number one. Then I had Del Curry. Okay. I oh, how did I forget him? Okay. I had, I had Del Curry. He retired as their all-time leading scorer. He was the 1994 Sixth Man of the Year. So I had him. Then I had Larry Johnson. Larry Johnson made one All NBA team. He was the 1992 Rookie of the Year. 1993 season, Alex. Uh, 22 points, 11 rebounds, four assists. He played all 82 games. So very pretty impressive for a second year player. And then I had Alonzo Mourning rounding it out. 21 points a game in each of his three Hornet seasons. He only played for him for three seasons. And in his Charlotte career, 3.2 blocks a game. So that's my four. Kemba, Dell, Larry Johnson, Alonzo Mourning. The Charlotte one was hard for me. I should have thought of Del Curry. I'm mad that I didn't, but I'm sticking with mine. I'm not going to change it on the fly. Um, I'm not... I... Like, I'm going to make changes to some of them, but those are the ones I thought of before we started recording. After we hit record, yeah. I'm not doing those because that's cheap. Um, my four. So I had Kemba. I had Larry Johnson. These two are different. When I think of the Charlotte Bobcats, there's one player that I think of. I, okay, I do think of Kemba Walker. There's one other player that I think of. It's Gerald Wallace. Yeah, yeah. Because Alonzo Mourning really wasn't in Charlotte for very long. No, it wasn't only three seasons. <laughs> it's a good answer for what their franchise history is, but he just wasn't there for very long. 
No, and then the guy, the guy I think of when I think of the Charlotte Hornets, like the original team, is Muggsy Bogues, right? And for better or for worse, I probably should have Del Curry in that spot. But Muggsy Bogues, like I just feel like he's a Charlotte Hornet for better or for worse. And when you think of the when you think of Muggsy Bogues, you think of the Charlotte Hornets. So yeah. again, it's a cheap trick to change it now. I'm not changing it now. I don't care. It's my final answer. <laughs> Muggsy Bogues. It's fine with me. How many games did, how many games do you think Muggsy Bogues played in Charlotte? Oh wow. I'll say over half his career. Well over half his career. 632 at eight eight eighty nine. Wow. I was gonna say over five hundred, so Yep, you would have been correct. Wow. Only 8.8 <laughs> points a game, 8.8 assists a game, 1.7 steals. Lived up to that nickname of his. I like it. It's honorable mention for me, Muggsy Bogues. It's, and Glenn Rice. Glenn Rice, Glenn Rice is a good one, too. Mention. The Hornets was a hard one. The, the Charlotte team was a hard one. Though. It was, and you wouldn't, you wouldn't have thought it would be a hard one, but it was. Because the Hornets, I think, are really overrated just simply because of their uniforms. Yes. yes. If it wasn't for their uniforms, I don't think anyone would care about them as much. No. <laughs> the Chicago... Let's Okay. Awkward transition. The Chicago Bulls. Um, you know, I think there's a pretty obvious one here. A couple of them. Yeah, I think, you know, there's one guy. He might have a statue outside of the United Center. He might. Um, Michael Jordan. He's quite obvious. Yeah. I think he's on the NBA's Mount Rushmore. I think he's the GOAT, personally. He is the GOAT. Scottie Pippen. Also quite obvious. Yep. Who are your other two Chicago Bulls on this Rushmore? So my third spot was pretty easy. My fourth spot is, I don't know. It might catch some heat. My third spot's Derrick Rose. Mine as well. I didn't have to think about it, honestly. 2011 Derrick Rose is one of the greatest players I've ever seen. And my fourth spot's Luol Deng. I don't blame you. Luol Deng, one of my favorite players ever. Um, Just... A guy with an endless motor until he got to the Lakers and collected checks, which at that point of his career, I don't blame him. If you can take advantage of a schmuck organization, you have to do it. Well, and you have to, to remember, Zach, agent. you have to remember Tom Thibodeau literally almost killed him. So you have to apply the proper context <laughs> there. It's <laughs> important. Endless motor. One of the great two-way players of the past couple decades. Um arguably the second best player on that 2011 Bulls team that won 60 games. You can make a case. And stuck with the Bulls through thick and thin when they sucked to when they started getting good again. So I'm going MJ, who is the GOAT. And I don't think it's close. Then I'm going Scottie Pippen, Derrick Rose, Luol Deng. Yeah. This is my so I had Derrick Rose, um, obviously. Derrick Rose, you want an MVP, you're Mount Rushmore by default, I would say. Like it's a good rule of thumb. You win an honor like that, especially at such a young age. I don't care what happened to you afterwards, like with the injuries and stuff. That's still pretty concrete in my book. What I would say for the fourth spot. 
is that there's a lot of guys that became famous as they passed through Chicago, right? That I thought about, like, you know, you know, I used to be a Bulls fan, Zach, um, <laughs> until they traded away my favorite player, Jimmy Butler. That's fair. Was pretty good in Chicago. Um, Lou Aldang's a good one, but I wouldn't consider him on my Mount Rushmore of Bulls personally. Jerry Sloan was a really good Bull. Artist Gilmore. Um, was a really good bull. But then you have the guys like Horace Grant, not good enough to, and not there long enough. Dennis right. Rodman, definitely not there long enough. So who's the guy other than Scotty and other than Michael who defined that 90s run? It's Phil Jackson. I think Phil, I think there's a few coaches that definitely deserve their spots on the Rushmore. And I think Phil, yeah, he, is did. Def- he definitely yeah, deserves did. it. Like, he came in, he turned around, like Doug Collins wasn't getting it done. And, you know, NJ didn't really try to highlight it in the last dance, but because Doug Collins is his friend, but <laughs> Doug Collins wasn't getting it done. He hired Doug Collins on the Wizards. <laughs> he sure did. He also traded um, Rip Hamilton for Jerry Stackhouse in an underrated move that kickstarted that Pistons. Yeah, <laughs> he didn't do that. You did do that. <laughs> Nobody talks about that, that episode of The Last Dance, did we? <laughs> no, we did not. These wizards um, and Hornets era. We didn't see that. But I do think Phil deserves some love here. And I, you know, when you think of Phil Jackson, you think of the mustache. You know, you. I think more people would think of him as the Bulls coach than as the Lakers coach. I think he deserves the love here. Especially since Chicago's franchise, I'm just going to be real, Zach. Chicago's franchise history outside of Michael Jordan, it's bad. It's not good. Like I mean, you're talking about that three year Derrick Rose run, and then the three beats, and then that's it. That's honestly it. I mean, Joakim Noah could have been considered for it, but like there were too many injuries. He was all NBA first team 2014. He was, he was all NBA first team. He finished what fourth or third in MVP voting. Yeah. He was really good. But again, like there's a reason you said Luol Deng was the second best player on that 2011 team. It's because Joe played like 40 games. Right. You right. know, and those Bulls teams are really talented. And Joe Keem, man, if those teams got LeBron. <laughs> They would have dominated the whole league, but that is, listen, I think Phil is probably, if not the best coach in the history of the league, he's top three. He's the best. I would say he's the best. It's him, Pop, and Riley. It's top top three easy. I agree. Whatever order you want to go in, I won't be mad at you. I would say... I would say Phil's the best. I agree. That's so that's, that's the order. I would agree. So on that note, let's move on to the Cleveland Cavaliers. This one was simultaneously easy and difficult. Yes. There was one for sure lock. And that of course was Dan Gilbert's comic sans. Letter. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I'd have material Zach. <laughs> Dan um, Gilbert, who will one day be bought out by LeBron James. There's no own the Cavs. I, there's I no way in hell Dan Gilbert's selling the Cavaliers. LeBron there's- will buy the Cavs. That is my prediction. Um, <laughs> in all seriousness, LeBron is easily the only lock. Did you have Kyrie as a member of the 
Cavaliers, not Rashmore. I think you have to. I think you. I did as well. I think you have to just because he hit the game-winning shot of the championship that ended the Cleveland curse. So I think he has. He has to be on there. Then I have Mark Price. I did Mark, as well. Mark Price, four-time All NBA. One of those was a first team. And he also is one of the few members of the 50-40-90 club. If you want to go statistical. So I have one that. One of the first? Yes, one of the first and one of the few members of the 50-40-90 club, Mark Price. And then he made All-NBA first team in an era with, that was stacked with guards. So I think that was something to be said. Then I had Brad Doherty. Brad Doherty... One-time All-NBA selection, career averages of 19 points and 10 rebounds. Spent his whole career at the Cavs. So, that's my four. LeBron, Kyrie, Mark Price, Brad Doherty. The problem is, is there was literally no other good selection after Mark Price. Not really. I think Darius Garland is going to take Brad Doherty's spot someday. I think and so, too. Evan Mobley will probably take... I think Evan Mobley will take... I think Evan Mobley and Garland will take both their spots, probably. And maybe you'll just maybe they'll just kick Kyrie off. I don't know. Kyrie and Doherty, but I oh, think that'd be tough to get Kyrie off, just considering yeah, what he did. That is true. That is very true, but the Cavs history is another very rough one. You want to talk about rough outside of your superstar. <laughs> dearth a dearth of just nothing like it's it was uh, you know you're not going to be surprised to hear this at work I was looking up the 08 Cavs the 07 08 Cavs I think that is the worst roster that LeBron James has had in his career and that is saying something that is saying something I mean that I couldn't even put together a starting lineup based on that team that was one of the worst rosters I've ever seen. Well, that was the year where their big trades were to trade for like Delonte West and Wally Zerbiak, right? And, and and Ben Wallace, the corpse of Ben Wallace. So, you know, actually, let me just look. Let me just look. Well, I, I pulled it up. I pulled it up. Go ahead and read it because it is so bad. It will make you. And they pushed the they pushed the champions to seven games. Okay, I'm going to I sorted it by games played. Their games played leader was not LeBron James. It was a guy named Devin Brown. Oh. Who I've never heard of. I don't know who this guy is. Oh. He LeBron played, for the Spurs. played LeBron played 75. Big Z played 73 games. Oh. LeBron's guy, Damon Jones, played 60 games. Booby Gibson. Dwayne Jones, who I've also never heard of, played 56 <laughs> games. Drew Gooden, Sasha Pavlovich, Anderson Verjao. Hey, what are Iron, we doing? Iron Newble, Larry Hughes, Joe Smith, Delonte West, Wally Zerpiak, Ben Wallace, Eric Snow, Shannon Brown, Danielle Marshall. <laughs> Dude, yeah, like I mean, like I said, it's one of the worst teams LeBron has ever had. Ever. Yeah, that's, that's pretty. That's pretty bad. That is. That's a terrible. It is terrible. 
listen, we there's a lot of reasons to hate LeBron, but there's a reason the man is considered to be one of the greatest of all time. Because of that. Yes. That is so bad. Here's let's let's go ahead. I'm gonna try to speed through a couple of these. Here's another one with a little bit of bad history. The Dallas Mavericks. I think there's one for Sherlock. Yeah. It's Dirk. What were your other ones for the Mavs? So, like you said, it was pretty tough. I'll go retro first. I'll go Rolando Blackman. Had him as well. Rolando Blackman. Just go look at the stats if you're wondering. He led the Mavs to the 88 West Finals. They pushed the Lakers to seven games. I think that's something to be said. So, Rolando Blackman. Then I have Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd, who actually played for the Mavs. Two different stints. Uh, This is more so for his second stint, just because he won a title with them. And then I have Luka. Luka makes it already. Like, I... He's probably, if you're just talking skill-wise, probably the best player in franchise history. If you're just talking strictly skill-wise. Um, but that's my four. Dirk, Kid, Blackman, Doncic. And honorable mentions, I had Steve Nash, Michael Finley, and Jason Terry. See, I had, I did not have Kid. I did, I went with Derek Harper. On my because Derek Harper was a very good Mav, and that was their literally only other successful period in franchise history that wasn't Dirk related. Because Nash was fine in Dallas, but he wasn't like Steve Nash yet. Kid was fine in Dallas, but he wasn't Jason Kidd in either stint. So, you know, Sean Marion wasn't Sean Marion. You know, you go through that whole, you know title team. Yep. You know, maybe Tyson Chandler, but Tyson Chandler is not a Mount Rushmore guy. No. So I had Luca as well. I mean, <laughs> they also made the conference finals this year and have a terrible history. So it was, you know, I couldn't double standard myself here. Um, I mean, it's like you said, it's not like they've been good for a lot of their history, but there's only a couple staples of the franchise. Well, they're a young franchise too. So when you have a guy play for you for 20 years, a lot of your history becomes that guy inter- intertwined. Yeah. With that guy. So yeah. this one, this next one is going to, is interesting. The Denver nuggets. I think there's, I think there's actually four locks on this. I think they're all locks. Wow. Okay. Um, I'll be, do you just want me to go ahead and go and see what you see what you have? Go ahead and go. I'm interested. So the first one is definitely Jokic. Yes. He's I easily agree. their best player in franchise history. It's not easily, close. easily the first one. Second best is Mello. Third best is Alex English. You can flip those. I don't really care. Fourth best is, you know, you could say, you could have a couple different guys for fourth. This is maybe not the lock. But David Thompson is my last one. David Thompson, for those that don't know, um, played in the 70s, high flyer, um, basically was MJ before MJ in terms of, you know, scoring guard who could who could maneuver through the air in a crazy way. And I think that he, you know, he didn't have a very long prime, 
he didn't stick around very long. And I think he blew out his knee too. But I think he was a really good, good nugget. And also their franchise, like they had a lot of really good scorers and terrible defenders. <laughs> the Nuggets just seem to have a type in that regard. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll be curious. I'm assuming you have three of the four. So I had Jokic also number one. Uh, not close either. Then I had Mello, which I have a couple notes on Mello's Nuggets. It's actually better than people remember. Like, <clears throat> I've always better. made a low-key argument that the 04 Rookie of the Year uh, was unfair. I feel like it was predetermined LeBron was going to win, and nobody looked at Melo's resume when actually it was better than LeBron's. And I have always felt Melo should have won Rookie of the Year over LeBron. I don't know if it's a hot take or not, but I think if you're looking at it statistically, the Nuggets made the playoffs that year. The Cavs didn't. Melo uh, averaged over 20 points. He was probably the best player on that team. And I've always made the argument that he should have won Rookie of the Year over LeBron. So there's that. They made the playoffs every year with him. And I think Denver, Melo along with the first couple seasons of Nick's Mello, one of the greatest scorers the league has ever seen. I'm not the biggest Mello guy, but that, that fact is indisputable. Then I have David Thompson as well. He was actually looked up to by Michael Jordan. I found a quote from Michael Jordan saying that. So, I mean, if Michael Jordan looked up to you, Probably means you're pretty good. Then uh, he was nicknamed Skywalker, which is just yes. one of the greatest, the coldest nicknames of all time. Skywalker. And he's one of five players in NBA history. I think five. Yeah. One of the five players in NBA history to score 70 or more in a game. And then I had Alex English, who is the all-time leading scorer in Nuggets history. Uh, so yeah, that's my four. You led the 80s in scoring as well. Yes, an era that had Larry Bird and Michael Jordan and Julius Irving. So Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And Kareem, yeah, something to be said. Honorable mentions, I had Matumbo and Dan Issel. Can't forget, can't forget the man in charge in the league office, Kiki Vandaway. And Kiki Vandaway, if you want to, <laughs> if you want to throw him in there, sure. In all seriousness, yeah. Like, I mean, Kiki Vandaway, but they have a type. That's what I was saying. Like, they just have a type for the guy who's, you know, a good forward who can score, but doesn't seem to want to play a lick of defense. It just is amazing what they have in the water. Denver, one of the handful of teams to never make the finals. Yeah. With Jokic, they have a guy that can get them there, though. And I think that's going to be... I mean, they've already made the conference finals, which, you know, never say never. It could be their last, but Jokic is the kind of guy, I mean, he's unstoppable, right? Yeah. And you get more scoring around him. That's the reason why they, they lost to the Warriors is because they just didn't have enough punch around him to sustain him doing everything on offense. And he's, he's a special player. And Again, spoilers for my top 100, but this will be probably released after the top 100. He's in my top five. He's in my top four, Zach. He should be. 
I mean, he is one of the four best players in the league. <laughs> He's and Melo, bless his heart. I wouldn't ever say he was better than Duncan, Kobe, LeBron, any of those three. So at best, he was fourth. And I wouldn't say he was the fourth best player in the league. I wouldn't say he was better than Wade either. So was Melo ever a top 10 player in the league? Yes. He was too good of a scorer not to be. Like when, especially when he was in New York. I, I want to pull up. I think the year the Pacers beat the Knicks in the playoffs, which is basically the last year the Knicks were good. He was a top 10 player in the league. I thought he should have won MVP that year. Okay, I pulled up an old Bleacher Report article. Let's see. I'm going to just search Carmelo. Control plus F. Oh, goodness. All right. Got to love the clickbait. Oh, yeah. Carmelo was at 10th in 11-12 behind Russ, Kevin Love, Dwight, Derek Rose, Kobe, Chris Paul, D Wade, Kevin Durant, LeBron. Other than Kevin Love, I would have had him. That sounds about right. I mean, that was back when Kevin Love was balling, so I understand. I understand, I understand that reasoning. Also, I think we understand Carmelo better now than I think we did then. Yeah. I think Carmelo makes more sense in today's NBA than he did in that NBA. Right. Yeah. I agree. So it's a different era for basketball, but. It's an interesting conversation to have, but in the interest of time, in the interest of this not being a three-hour podcast, <laughs> um, the Detroit Pistons, I think there's one for Sherlock, and that's this, definitely Isaiah Thomas. It's Isaiah Thomas. Don't need to say much on him. Yeah. I mean, one of the three greatest point guards of all time. He was on it's, the Detroit Sports Mount Rushmore. Yeah. Easily. Easily. Yes, one of the three greatest point guards of all time. Tim it's him, Stefan Magic. Yep. I agree. Him, Stefan Magic. Who are your other three Detroit basketball? Detroit basketball. <laughs> I have Joe Dumars. I do as well. Who played a lot longer than I think people realize. He played from eighty five. It's 1999. So I'll put this into perspective. He was on those bad boys teams. And then he played at the same time as Tim Duncan and Kobe and those guys. So, I mean, you want to put it in. He outlasted MJ. Yeah, technically. Yeah, he did. I mean, he came into the league the year after MJ, but he technically outlasted him because now did MJ come back? Sure. But he was in the league one year longer than MJ. So, yeah. So he was also a five-time all-defense member. So Joe Dumars. Then I had Ben Wallace. I did as well. Ben Wallace, who is tied for the most Defensive Player of the Year awards. He has four. Probably the most dominant defensive player of the 2000s. The 2000s decade. I think you can make an argument. You can make a very good argument. And then I had Chauncey Billups. This was a very tough one. I did as well. I had Chauncey Billups, 04 Finals MVP. Uh, Don't know if he was the best player on that team. I think I would lean Ben Wallace. But 
I thought he had to be on here. Just representing that era of the Pistons. Because Ben Wallace wasn't there for the whole time. Ben Wallace left in 2006 to go to the Bulls. So Chauncey Billups was there the whole time throughout those six straight East Finals appearances. So I'm going Isaiah Thomas, Dumars, Big Ben, and Chauncey Billups. And then they traded Chauncey Bills for Allen Iverson. Gotta love it. And then that was it. That was it for that era. And they've sucked ever since. And now they're finally getting back on track with Cade Cunningham. <laughs> finally. Literally. And Jaden Ivey, who should have been a pace. They have a nice squad in Detroit, you know, for the first time in forever. They do. It's going to be interesting to see how they go in they the future. They have not won a playoff game since 2008. That is not surprising. Put that in perspective. I mean, they've not won a playoff game since George W. Bush was the president of the United States. That's almost as long as the Kings. <laughs> God almighty. At least they've made the playoffs. At least they've made the playoffs. Yeah. At least they've had winning records. God this next, Kings. this next one. I think the three are really easy. I think the three are really easy. I think Steph, Clay, and Draymond all have to be on here. Yes, I agree. And I'm just going to go ahead and say, this is one of my other coaches. As much as I rag on Kerr, I mean, he has to be on here. Yeah. I yeah. mean, they he gets there. He makes a few changes. You know, David Lee conveniently gets hurt. But yep. like in all seriousness, though, he finds the small ball. They start winning. And that's all it took. That's all it took. And I think Steve Kerr is a willing. He deserves a spot on the Warriors Mount Rushmore. Did you have Steve Kerr in your last spot? I did not. I, for the most part, I refrained from using coaches. That's fair. It's fair. I tried. I tried not to use coaches. I mean, it was hard. At certain points. I think you'll notice a theme with the coaches that I used. Okay. They're dynastic coaches. I mean, then in that case, they they would deserve it. They would absolutely deserve it. But I had Steph, who I want to talk about in just a second. So I had Steph, Clay, Draymond, and then I had Rick Barry. Rick Barry's a good one. Rick Barry who started in the NBA, then went to the ABA, and then came back to the NBA. So he did a little flip-flop there. And in the 1975 title season with the Warriors, he averaged 31 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists, and 3 steals. And was the 1975 NBA Finals MVP. Honorable mentions, I had Nate Thurmond... Wilt Chamberlain, who, spoiler alert, did not make a single Rushmore for me. Me either. Chris Mullen and Kevin Durant. Um, I want to talk about Steph real quick, Alex, because Steph, right after the Warriors won the title this year, I made my top 10 players of all time list. Okay. And I was able to put Steph in at number 10. I had him at number 10. I slipped him in there. My here in no order, here's my top 10. 
Michael Jordan, LeBron, Kareem, Bill Russell, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Tim Duncan, Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal, Stephen Curry. My top 10. My tough omissions, Hakeem Olajuwon, Wilt Chamberlain, Moses Malone. Those are my toughest omissions. So he made it. I, I was able to sneak him in there. I feel like he's earned it. I feel like he has too. I mean, he changed basketball. And I mean, he's damn good at it. Like, <laughs> that game, was it game four? That was a masterclass. That the likes of which I just don't think we'll see. He's. I, I was he, on the level of. The, it was on the level of Giannis game six last year. Yes. I mean, I think he's. I think he's the last superstar that is for sure going to stay with his team. Like, mm-hmm. going to spend the whole career with one team. And he's probably, I mean, he's the greatest shooter of all time. It's indisputable at this point. The best player on two title teams. You can say what you want about the the Durant era teams, but just look at his resume. I mean, he's one of the 10 greatest players of all time. And if you had said that even 10 years ago, like in, if you had said that after they lost to the Clippers in round one when Mark Jackson was still the coach, uh, hey, this guy's going to be one of the 10 greatest players of all time. By the way, this guy's going to be one of the 10 greatest players of all time. I would have laughed in your face. But now, you'd be a fool to say he's not at least in the conversation. I mean, four rings. Um, he's been a dominant playoff performer his whole career. He's... <laughs> he's got as many as LeBron. I mean, he and LeBron are peers. I think that's something we don't yes. talk about. No. Um, because I don't think LeBron wants us to talk about it. No. If my math is right, they would have graduated high school around. They would have been in high school at the same time. Cause yeah, I mean, they're not that far apart. LeBron would have been born in 84. And Steph yeah. was born in 88. So, yeah, they would have been in high school at the same time. They're peers. Yeah, theoretically. Yeah. So, Steph would have been a freshman when LeBron was a senior. And, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying they're not equals, right? I think LeBron's still greater. But the fact that they have as many rings is insane. The fact he did it by himself this playoffs now do i think the field was a little bit weaker than it has been in other years sure but it doesn't change the fact that doing it by yourself like last year Giannis had middleton and drew right yeah those two guys are all-stars who is the all-star that steph had every single night clay was really inconsistent pool was really inconsistent draymond especially draymond (laughs) there were some referendums on draymond's game sucked there were some listen some of the basically what you're saying is like in previous finals he could defer to durant 
in this case, obviously nobody close to Durant's skill level, but he didn't even have anybody who he could like throw the ball to and be like, here, bail me out this possession. Like he didn't even have anybody like that. He was, and they were playing he, a damn good team. They were playing the best defensive team in the league. They were playing probably the best defensive team since. What's the defensive player of the year? I mean, he shouldn't have won defensive player of the year, though. I mean, the defensive player of the year was on his team. The defensive player of the year just tore his meniscus. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, like, on, on paper. On paper. Yes. The guy who won the award was guarding him, but the guy who won the award probably wasn't even the best defensive guard on his team. I digress. Um, <laughs> the point is, it's just like Steph is an offense unto himself. I think being able to do it on and off the ball like being so unselfish to move off the ball and set screens the way he does to be able to, you know, relocate off the picks, being able to hunt the mismatches. He is a, such a great player. And I think he's, he, he's a unique player. I, I don't know if you heard me say this. I think I might've said it in a group chat or on a zoom. Everyone thinks people are doing Steph Curry impressions now. Like in the league, everyone's like, oh, Trey Young is doing a Steph Curry impression. Oh, you know, Darius Garland's doing a Steph Curry impression. Oh, you know, insert young point guard is doing a Steph Curry impression. They aren't doing Steph Curry impressions. They're doing Damian Lillard impressions. And Damian Lillard's a really good player. Don't get that twisted. Oh, he's a great player. But they don't do what Steph does. They don't move off the ball like that. They don't scream like that. I think... Those guys all came up as point guards, right? Yeah. Steph came up as a shooting guard. So Steph knows how to move off the ball. Steph knows how to get open without needing to have the ball in his hands. I think he uses that unique. He has a unique skill set. I think people use the word unique. I think you would agree with this, Zach. I think people just use the word unique way too much in the world nowadays. Way, way too much. But he's really he has a unique skill set because he came up. <laughs> you know what's funny? He and Russell Westbrook both came up as shooting guards, and they turned out completely different ways. Yep, yep. <laughs> but it worked for both of them. It really did. Yeah, they they were both. I mean, one wasn't as successful as the other, but that doesn't make Russell Westbrook, you know, a failure by any means. Russell Westbrook is still an insanely successful basketball player. <laughs> And walk, he's walking into the Hall of Fame. Yes. Moonwalking into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> yes. Like, but it doesn't change the fact that Steph just saw what he was good at and was like, okay, no one else is going to do this as well as me. And I agree, top 10 doesn't do it justice because everyone else in the top 10 needed the ball to make it happen. He doesn't. Yeah. It's it's beautiful. Are you ready to move on, Zach, to the Houston Rockets, to a guy who does need the ball? <laughs> yes, I am ready. Okay. The question is, who do you have for? Who is the Washington of the Houston Mount Rushmore? I think it's obvious, right? It's definitely Akeem. It's definitely Akeem, not close. Okay. So Akeem and Harden are two very obvious ones. Yes. The question is, Zach Griffith, who is number three and who is number four? All right. Well, one thing I want to say on Akeem, my all-time starting five, Akeem Olajuwon is my center. Yes. Akeem is very vocal about that. 
have I ever told you, Zach? I'm not saying he's the greatest center of all time. I'm just saying if I was putting together a starting five of NBA players ever, he's my he is my center. Well, Zach, you see me play basketball. Akeem's the guy I modeled my game after. So Yeah. I'm sure you can see it when I say it, but Yes. I mean can one of the greatest two way players of all time. Probably the greatest two way center of all time. So that's what they say about me as well. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're probably second. I would say second close, close second. (laughs) Then I have Harden. Then I have Moses Malone. I did as well. Moses Malone, who in my opinion is the most underrated player of all time. Uh, Won two of his three MVPs with the Rockets. Was a four-time All-NBA selection. One of the guys who invented longevity. Played for 20 20 years in the NBA. And I believe he's the most underrated player of all time. And number four, I didn't know who to put. So I put Yao Ming. I put Yao Ming as well. Beautiful. I put Yao Ming. I mean... I don't it's know hard. what to say. I don't know what to say about Yao Ming. I just probably, I don't know. Probably maybe shouldn't be on here, but I don't care. Who else are you going to play? Was very important to the league. Very it's important to the Ra- Rockets. It's probably him or Ralph Sampson, and I take him. So yeah. Yep. All right. I don't think we have anything left to say about the Rockets. Indiana Pacers. <laughs> Ooh. Okay. Man. There are two we definitely agree on. A third one. We probably agree on. Um, we probably agree on all four of these, honestly. Okay, Reggie oh, Miller, we I'm definitely agree. On. Reggie Miller, we definitely agree on. Yes. Okay, Jermaine O'Neal, we definitely agree on. Jermaine O'Neal, second for you. Yes, he is. Okay, who is third and who is fourth? All right. A couple things on Jermaine O'Neal. Most All Star selections in franchise history. Three time All. All NBA came in third in MVP voting in 2004. Best player on the best team record-wise in franchise history in 2004. And it would have been the best player on the title team in 2005 if the brawl had not happened. So I think all that needs to be said. My number three is Mel Daniels. Okay. Mel Daniels was the best player on all three ABA championship teams. He was a two-time ABA MVP, five-time All-ABA selection, three-time ABA rebounding leader. Mel Daniels, 1971 season. 21 points, 18 rebounds, ABA champion, and ABA MVP. So that was the Mel Daniels, 1971 season. So one of the great seasons. Then I have Roger Brown. Roger Brown, three-time ABA champ. A cool thing the ABA did, among a lot of other things, they had an award called the Playoffs MVP. And uh, Roger Brown won the Playoffs MVP in 1970. It's also a three-time all-ABA selection. Pacers, without a doubt, the greatest ABA team of all time. Some honorable mentions I had. George McGinnis, who actually played for the Pacers in the ABA and NBA. Rick Smith and Paul George, honorable mention. Yeah, I had um, two of your honorable mentions. I did not have the Flying Dutchman, even though 
you know, I should have honored my country, my home country in that way. Um, Damn it, Alex. You know, my country is ashamed of me. Um, <laughs> in all seriousness, I had Paul George and I had George McGinnis. Um, Paul George, I, I, I just, I feel like that, I understand it ended really bad. Yeah. And I, I understand why you would leave him off. But man, that 2013 run was just so magical. <laughs> it was. And he would be on here had it not ended so badly. I mean, yes, that I- is the closest. It's the closest we've come to a title in the post Reggie Miller era. So if Vogel just left Hibbert in. If I was just left Hibbert in, we'll probably, I don't think we beat the Spurs that year, but we're at least in the finals. Like we at least beat the heat. That was, oh man, that was what a magical run. And it keeps me up. It keeps me up at night. The question is Zach, because I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know a whole lot about Indiana's ABA history. You educated me there. Um, (laughs) The question is, is Paul George on your Los Angeles Clippers? Mount Rushmore because this one was probably the hardest one to do. Um, oh God! The my for sure lock it in was V Stiviano's tape recorder, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not entirely joking. Very either. nice, very nice. I that was like half joke, half serious, because if she's not recording that, then, <laughs> then they don't knows. make their first conference finals. Um. Do you want me to start? Because the Clippers were really hard. Go ahead. I kind of did this one out of order. I didn't really have a Washington on this one because they're so screwed. If there is a Washington, it's definitely Blake Griffin. It's the worst franchise in NBA history. In probably professional sports. It's pretty close. It's in the running. I'll give that. So Blake Griffin. I agree. I agree on their Washington. It's Blake Griffin. I'll give them Elton Brand. (laughs) And then I have to do a Kawhi and PG. Like, as crazy as it is, wow. they made the conference finals. No Chris Paul. No Chris Paul. It just, that was so weird there. It, it, he should be on. I, you know what? Again, I'm a man of my word. I don't change it once the recording started. But man, it just was so weird there the way everything went. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, they had a lot of tangible success once they got those two they just didn't know how to put it together one of the problems is they never had a solid small forward yeah like they never had a five-man lineup they could count on the one year they did the one year matt barnes was there chris paul got or chris paul and blake both got hurt right so and they lost to the rockets in that terrible you know that game everyone remembers the infamous infamous three to one collapse i'm curious to see what yours is because i'm guessing you have blake and probably none of the other three (laughs) blake griffin's the washington for a couple reasons he's probably the most i mean prime blake griffin was a fucking beast he was a fucking beast. He's one of the most athletic players to ever play in the NBA. And he is probably more responsible than anyone for the most lucrative success period in Clippers history. 
And I would have been really interested to see what that, if the Chris Paul trade hadn't happened, I would have been interested to see what the Blake Griffin, Eric Gordon era of the Clippers would have looked like. So I have Blake Griffin, then I have Chris Paul. Then I have Bob McAdoo, who didn't actually play for the Clippers. He played for the Buffalo Braves, but same franchise. He won an MVP. And then I'm giving Elton Brand his flowers. Elton Elton Brand's 06 season, very, very impressive. I would say you could still make a case. Well, 21 season was probably the most successful in Clippers history considering they actually made the West Finals. But before that, I would say the 06 season, the 05-06 season was the most successful in Clippers history. They took the Suns to seven games in the second round. Elton Brand was All-NBA second team. He was a double-level machine. The guy was a fucking beast. So I'm giving Elton Brand his flowers, putting him on the Clippers Mount Rushmore. One thing I want to add about Bob McAdoo. After his NBA career was over, he moved to Italy, played in Italy, met his wife, Patricia, in Italy. Patricia, who you just know is a dime. I don't even have to look up a picture of her. I just know she's a dime. So, Patricia McAdoo, the fifth head on the Clippers Mount Rushmore. I don't know. I think Beast Viviano made a really compelling case there. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I'm not entirely joking there. <laughs> Lakers, shall we? Lakers. I think this one, I think this one's probably the easiest one in all honesty. Wow. Do you want me to, do you want me to go ahead and go? Cause I think this one's, once I go through them, you'll probably be like, yeah, I have the exact same four. Okay. Go ahead. All right. So magic. Okay. Kareem. Okay. Kobe. Okay. Jerry West. Okay. Do you have the same four? No. Oh, wow. Okay. What's so you have magic. Yes. My Washington is Kobe. Interesting. Okay. Then magic. Interesting. Okay. Then Jerry West. So Kareem is the one that where we differ. So before I say who I replaced him with Kobe, who has some, I feel like is somehow underrated now. Kobe, we just look at his resume. Five-time champ, two-time finals MVP, made seven finals total, one-time MVP, 15-time All-NBA, 15-time All-NBA, 12-time All-Defense, two-time NBA scoring champ, and from 2000 to 2013, never averaged below 23 points a game. And I want to debunk the ball hog myth right now. Let's do it. Average five or more assists a game 16 times. I'm rounding up, but I always round up with my stats. So 16 times. 16 times, average five or more assists. So there you go. Magic Johnson really played only 12 seasons. He came back in 1996. So he technically played 13 seasons, but I'm saying 12. So he made the finals nine times out of 12. Won five championships. Then I have Jerry West. I'm going Shaq over Kareem. 
You know what? It's fair. I'm going Shaq over Kareem. Here's why. I feel like Shaq means more to Lakers fans than Kareem. Because Shaq, three-time champion, three-time finals MVP, was the most dominant player in the league for probably a four- or five-year stretch with the Lakers. One-time regular season MVP. And I'm going to say this. He had the best non-Wilt Chamberlain center season of all time in 2000. He averaged 30 points, 14 rebounds, four assists, and three blocks. He was also the scoring champion and league MVP and finals MVP that season. So I'm going Shaq over Kareem, and I don't feel bad about it. I mean, well, why would you feel bad? It's it's just a list, bro. <laughs> but in all seriousness, like I don't feel bad. I, I, I I'm not asking you to feel bad. Don't stop <laughs> stop saying you don't feel bad. In all, in all seriousness, I, you're not I'm ready for the heat. I'm ready for the heat. Like I will fight somebody on this. Shaq means I'm, it's like I said at a, the top. I'm going with fan. What do you think the fans think? It's a fair and nuanced take. Would pick Shaq over. They probably would, but also I feel maybe this is just my, my bias showing as a guy who played a lot of his basketball career in goggles and who learned how to do a sky hook in all seriousness. Like I think Kareem had like, I think there's three guys who have a legitimate case for goat status. I think it's Kareem, Mike and LeBron. I think those three. Yeah are the three in the goat conversation that everyone else is fighting for the next spot. Um, just personally, like, and Kareem spent a majority of his career in Los Angeles. You know, like, I, I feel like we Close forget about it. Like, he's going to be, I think he's on my Milwaukee Mount Rushmore. I'm pretty sure he is. I, I won't spoil anything yet. Um, <laughs> he, but he spent like, three-fourths of his career in L.A., you know, something like that. He has the most MVPs in NBA history. Right, and the majority of those were won. Not majority. I think he won a few of them in Milwaukee. He won three in Milwaukee, and then he won three with the Lakers. Right, so he did a lot of that damage before Magic got there, but he was a menace after Magic got there, too, and, like, he won a finals MVP at age, what, 37? Yeah. And 1985. He kind of got underrated too because obviously Magic was the driving force of that second half of that dynasty, but he just was Kareem was the steadying presence, right? Like the hand that was always there. And I, I'm not saying you're wrong because I, I totally see your logic and the Lakers have so many super duper stars. <laughs> Yeah, that either of us could have had. We could have had neither of those guys and had Elgin Baylor in their stead. And we could have both been like, yeah, yeah. And Elgin Baylor, another guy. Yeah, exactly. So the Lakers just have so many superstars that it's just not. You wouldn't look at us. Either of us wouldn't look crazy for having another superstar in their place, but no. it's just a matter, a matter of opinion and nuance. I feel in that regard. Um, are we ready to move on to the Memphis Grizzlies? This one, this one will be the real easy one. Cause I think yeah. there's four, there's four answers. <laughs> I agree. 
It's the grit and grind, guys. Conley, Allen, Randolph, and Gasol. Do we both that's, agree? That's it. Yep, that's it. I mean... I have nothing else to say. <laughs> a young team. I mean, is there even a... I mean, if there was a... John Morant will be on here someday. John Morant will be the Washington for this team, and he'll probably kick out Tony Allen. Yeah. But for now, that's the most success that franchise has ever had. They made the conference finals. They're such a young team. I mean, their other I, mean, options I think are they like, can make the conference finals next year. I think they could. They sure can. I mean, their other options are like, what, Sharif Abdurrahim and Pau Gasol? Probably. And that's, those <laughs> that's probably it. Yeah, literally. So... It's not hard there. The Miami Heat. Two, I think oh, three, sto- three stone cold blocks here. Okay. I think Dwayne Wade. Yep. LeBron James. Yep. And then Shaquille O'Neal. Yes. Okay. Who did you have as your last member of the Miami Heat? My last spot, I had Alonzo Mourning. It's not surprising. Um, it was the first player of the Heat to have his number retired. Um, one of the great defensive player, one of the great defensive centers of all time. Um, won two defensive player of the years in a row with the Heat. Was on the All NBA first team. So I'm going with him. My honorable mentions: Jimmy Butler. Oh, why didn't I go with him? Udonis Haslam. That's the guy I went with. Udonis Haslam. I went with Udonis Haslam just because he's fair. been there for so long. It's fair. And I should have gone with Jimmy, but like Jimmy's only been there, what, three years? He's only he's, been there three years, but when you think about what he's accomplished. That's a, the Heat, too. Like, they've done a lot. Like, they've been a loud franchise, but they're a young team. Like, they've only been around since, what, 89, I like think? Like, 88 or 89, yeah. So. And they've had great players. They've got they got Alonzo Mourning. I think their Jawan Howard contract was voided, but they got Tim Hardaway. Um, then I had yeah, I had Tim Hardaway and Chris Bosh. My last two honorable mentions. I mean, it's they had a lot of talent. It's just you know, it's like a, like we said, it's a young team. So that's why I went with UD. He's been there for more than half of their existence. Exactly. <laughs> and I know he hasn't played a whole lot the last few years, but he was a a key contributor to their. To all three of their titles, really. Yeah. I know even the last couple, he wasn't playing a whole lot, but he was off the bench, you know, moral support. And the first one in 06, he, he was major. Yeah, he was a huge dark stopper. And then I get this isn't crazy, right? Like this isn't like, you know, as crazy as someone having Nick Collison. Who who would have that for the Oklahoma City Thunder? I mean, no one, <laughs> no one would possibly do that, right? I mean, I don't like where this is going. Um, let's let's go ahead and move on <laughs> to the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, okay, first two are obvious. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yep. I'm not even gonna try to spell that out. And then Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yes. No contest. Okay. Third one and fourth one. What are your third and fourth entries into this, Zach Griffith? So I have Sidney Moncrief third. Okay. Sidney Moncrief won the inaugural two Defensive Player of the Year awards in NBA history. And actually, I have a, this is one of the stories I was talking about. I have a Sidney Moncrief story. Let's so hear Alex, it. the Sports Capital Journalism Program 
as you you're very familiar with it. I was lucky enough to go to the 2019 NCAA Final Four, the men's Final Four, and one of the press conferences was the Basketball Hall of Fame class of 2019, and Sidney Moncrief was in it, and so was his teammate on the books, Jack Sikma. Jack Sikma is an asshole. That's all I have to say. Jack Sikma is an asshole. He, we had to interview these guys for a story. Sidney Moncrief was very nice, very pleasant, happy to answer questions. Jack Sikma was a dick. He was a dick. He was asked very logical questions. Jack Dickma. He was asked very logical questions that I didn't see a problem with. Like, for instance, somebody asked him, I might still have the soundbite on my phone. Somebody asked him, because that year, the Raptors and the Bucks were in the conference finals. And somebody, and he had history with both teams. He like worked for the Raptors and he played for the Bucks. So somebody asked him, do you have a rooting interest in this series, Jack? And he just looked at him like they were the dumbest person in the world. Like, it's a, and he was like, uh, well... I work for the Raptors and I played for the Bucks. So what does my paycheck say? It's like, fuck you. Fuck you, Jack. Fuck you, Jack Sigma. So that's my point. That's my point here. So Sidney Moncrief. And then Nothing I have, to do with Sidney Moncrief. No. <laughs> Incredible. No. <laughs> no. But my point is I interviewed both of them and Jack Sigma was a dick and Sidney Moncrief wasn't. That's my point. And then I have Oscar Robertson. Okay. The big O. The big okay. O. Um, I didn't go with Oscar Robertson. Who is also he, one of the most underrated players ever, somehow. I so the reason I didn't go with Oscar for the Bucks is just because I didn't feel like he was there long enough. It's he a good it's a good pull. For the I, I went with Moncrief, to be clear. You know who I went with for the other head on there. You could probably guess. Middleton. Yes. I mean, Middleton's been there for a long time. Like Middleton yes. was traded. Middleton was in that Brandon Jennings for Brandon Knight trade. Yeah. People forget he played for the Pistons. That was in 2013. He played for the Pistons. <laughs> and he played for the Pistons. Damn it. 600 games for the Bucks. 17.6 points a game. Um, 45% from the field last year. He's been electric in the playoffs really every year, but the 19 playoffs, um, he torched the Celtics multiple times. Somehow I remember him being better in the playoffs than the statistics show, but like in, in 17, 18, right. Um, seven games, 60% from the field, 61% from three, 25 points a game, uh, 19, 20, 20 points or not too great of statistics, but we know what he did last year. He was a terrific performer for them winning the championship. I just feel like Chris Middleton was a, he's been a staple for them for years and he won a championship. So it's pretty about easy. putting him on here. I really, it's pretty easy for me. I, I don't blame you for going with Oscar over him, but I think Moncrief was probably the best, not Kareem Buck, not Kareem Giannis Buck. So I, I'm not mad at you for your Rushmore. I just, Personal preference for me. No, Minnesota Minnesota Timberwolves. So <laughs> Okay. 
not Sacramento division. This might be the hardest one. Um, I had Kevin Garnett and each protester that ran onto the court during the playoffs this year. Other than that, who was your Minnesota Timberwolves? Listen, oh, you said you had a you said you had a Garnett diatribe. Save a little bit of it because we have more future Garnett pods we might want to do. So I wanted to put Garnett all four times. I really did. I just yeah. wanted to make him every head on the rush form, but I couldn't do it out of respect. So I had Kevin Garnett, obviously number one. It's a joke. His jersey's not retired. It's a joke. The Celtics retired his jersey before the Minnesota did. I don't want to get into it. We don't have enough time. His 04 season, which is the year he won MVP, NBA MVP, Western Conference Finals appearance, played all 82 games, averaged 24, 14, five assists, two blocks, and won the first of four consecutive rebounding titles. So Kevin Garnett. Then I have Carl Anthony Towns. Then I have Kevin Love who Minnesota Kevin Love was a beast, and I miss him. And then I have Sam Cassell. Sam Cassell, who really only had one good season for the Timberwolves, but this history, one good season is good enough. He was, in the 4 season, made All-NBA second team, averaged 20 points, three rebounds, seven assists. So I also had Towns and Love. Um, pretty easy given the dearth of talent in Minnesota. Yeah. I went with Anthony Edwards. I thought about it. It's I really it's did bad. think about it. <laughs> it just it's so bad. I thought about Ricky Rubio too. <laughs> you wouldn't have been crazy. I mean, you could have put Pekovic on there and I wouldn't have said you were crazy. <laughs> oh I, I would have said you were crazy. I would have said you were crazy. You could have put Kevin Martin on there. I would have said you were crazy. Corey it is Brewer. bad. It was bad. Like, that was is, the best. This might be the worst. No, it's not the worst. Oh, well, okay. It's the worst, but only because Sacramento had some actually good players. Like if Sacramento didn't have Chris Weber, it would have been a lot harder. Would have been really bad. Would have been really, really bad. <laughs> Sacramento was so hard. <laughs> really bad. <laughs> it, Listen, and it's really premature to have a second-year player on a Mount Rushmore, but actually, it's, the- I don't think it is. I mean, I I, I considered it. I, he's <laughs> strongly considered it. He's the most electric personality in the league. It's not close. No, I agree. And I didn't. I still haven't seen Hustle. I need to catch it. But great, great movie. He, by all accounts, he's you know electric in it, and. Yeah, I, I just, it's just bleak in Minnesota. Another very, team that was bleak. really hard to do, the New Orleans franchise. Oh God, can this we skip it? Hornets slash Pelicans. No, we must. We if we embark it. on this endeavor, we must do it. Skip it. Chris Paul is written in pen. <laughs> yeah. Who are your other ones? I, there's one more. I think that's a written in pen. Chris Paul, David West, Anthony Disney. I refuse to call him by his real name. Anthony Disney. And then Drew Holiday. I don't have much to say on this team. I mean, yeah, I, th- I might had Brandon, be the worst. I had Brandon Ingram. <laughs> like, I didn't know who to put. 
I considered Brandon Ingram. I really did. <laughs> the fact that you considered it makes me know I'm not crazy. And that's a sign that we should just go ahead and move on. <laughs> the New York Knicks. Okay. So this one, I had the Knicks are a, a sore spot, as you know. Yes. But I had three locks. I wonder if we have the same three locks. And then I had one that I just wanted to put in there because I feel like he means a lot to Knicks fans. Even though his time there wasn't as long as it should have been. So number one, Patrick Ewing. I think Patrick Ewing is the greatest Nick of all time. Okay. Then I have Clyde Frazier. Then Willis Reed. So those are my three locks. I also had all three of them. I have Bernard King. Bernard King, whose prime was cut short by injuries, but was a scoring champion with the Knicks. Uh, There's a 30 for 30 on him and Ernie Grunfeld called Bernie and Ernie. It's really, really good. It kind of explains what Bernard King meant to Knicks fans in the 80s. So I'm going Bernard King. That's a good one. I had Clyde first, but Clyde also like he's first because he's been with that franchise in more than one capacity since yeah. he's retired. Fair. And he's the best color commentator in the league still. Like I Fair. mean, it's he still has his fastball and he's what in his 70s? <laughs> he is old. <laughs> it's not fair. I don't know how much you watch the Knicks on League Pass, Zach. They have the best League Pass broadcast, and it's not close. Like, I mean, having, the Knicks, I mean, the MSG network is elite. Having Clyde Frazier and Mike Breen. Clyde Frazier is 77. <laughs> Clyde Frazier still has his fastball. Styling and profiling, wheeling and dealing. I, got, I mean, you know, it. it's simple, but it works. You know, I mean... You know this, Zach, as someone who likes to write and who likes to edit alliteration. People like alliteration. Who would yes, think? Yes, they do. But, but I mean, it, it works. Clyde is still so good. I had I just have Mello in that last spot. I mean, Mello, you know, I know it didn't work out the way Knicks fans wanted it to, but it was still a damn good run in New York. Like Great statistical run for Mello. And it's the best thing that's happened to them this century by far. Probably. It's not you know, really. Stephon Marbury. Stephon Marbury. <laughs> um, Eddie Curry. <laughs> Jerome James. No, please. <laughs> please not. Uh, let's go ahead before we just start naming Nick's failed contracts. Um, Oklahoma City slash Seattle. I put these two together because it just made sense. So Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant for sure. Yes. This is where it gets hard because the Thunder are the newest franchise. I was joking about Nick Collison because I actually did have him. Um, they don't have a lot of history. And then I didn't do any other executives, but Sam Presti. Oh, wait, oh sorry. I'm sorry. I had, it was a bad shot um, on there. Paul George. <laughs> it's a bad shot. Like After the Damian Lillard One shot. of the all-time worst quotes. One of the all-time worst quotes. I Paul George just has a way of sticking his foot in his mouth that no one else does. It's a gift, truly. But um, the curse. I had Sam Presti because what else is there? What if I right. gonna put Perry Jones? 
it's bad. It's, I mean, it's not bad, but it's not, it's not great. And like, I'm not going to sully the Seattle history by putting it with OKC. So what did you have for the two OKC spots before we move on to the more interesting one? So I had Ibaka and Steven Adams. That's, you know, that's completely fair. And also we don't need to dwell on this because. <laughs> no, no, we don't. We Sonics will just, be interesting. Sonics will be interesting. Um, there's two for sure. Yes. It's well, actually there's one for sure. Gary Payton for sure. Hall of Famer. Gary Payton, possibly the greatest defensive guard of all time. Do we both have Sean Kemp? Yeah. Okay. Who is left on your list of all time or on your Sonics Rushmore? Then I'm going Jack Sigma. We already spoke about. <laughs> and then I have Dennis Johnson, who was the finals MVP of the Sonics only championship. 1979. I'm sorry. You just trashed Jack Sigma and you're still going with him. I have to. I have you don't to. have to do anything. I have but that, to. That's just funny. <laughs> Checks. I mean, look, you can be an asshole and you can still be good. Like, there's plenty of guys on this list who are probably assholes. Like Gary Payton's probably an asshole. He probably is. But well, he's on this. He's on this. Evidence list. seems to point to the asshole direction with Gary Payton, but everyone still <laughs> loves him. So it's. I think there's a the difference between being a lovable asshole and just being an asshole. You know. Um. <laughs> I had Dennis Johnson as well. And then I had, I had Ray Allen because I wanted to put Ray Allen. Ray Allen's probably the best all-time player. Who's not going to have his Jersey retired. Yeah. You've had that take for a while. And I agree with it because he was never in a place for super duper long. Um, this might've been the longest. I, I still think it was just like four years. Well, so let's see. It might have been five. I'm going to pull up basketball reference. Real Maybe quick, it right? was. No, it was the Bucks. It was the Bucks, but the Bucks aren't going to retire his number probably no, because probably it was not. unremarkable. I mean, they made the conference finals, but that was, you know, still marred in controversy. So it's not like that's something they want to remember, right. you know? And plus that time when you get drafted as a lottery pick, that's never a time anyone wants to remember either. So five seasons in Seattle, five seasons in Boston, 296 games in Seattle, 25 points a game on 44, 38, 89 splits. Pretty good. Yeah. That Ray Allen guy, he was, uh, was pretty good at basketball. It's pretty so. good. I would say he's pretty good. Hit the best shot in NBA. One of the best shots in NBA history. Yeah. I listen. If Seattle does come back, he deserves to have his jersey in the rafters there. You know, I don't care what they say. I agree he does. Like, but until then, he's not going to have his Because there's no way they retire his jersey in Boston, no matter what. Like, they have, they have too many jerseys retired. They can't afford to retire anymore. Pretty probably. sure they already gave his number out. Number 20? It, Didn't I, they? Feel like ne- I feel like Neesmith was wearing that last year. I could be wrong, though. Yeah, so there you go. Um, they're, not, they're not retiring Rondos. They already gave that out. Derek White, well, right? It's not like Rondo's jersey was gonna is in any danger of being retired. <laughs> so the way everywhere ends with with Rajan Rondo. So <laughs> the Orlando Magic. So this one was very easy for me. I think so too. 
So do you want to go ahead and go? Yes. Shaq, Penny, McGrady, Dwight. I went, I had it in a different order. I went Dwight, Shaq. Um, I went Dwight, Shaq, Penny, McGrady, but same four. Yeah. That's, you know, it is like, you know, that one was pretty easy. <laughs> it was pretty easy. Like not a young franchise, but they've had insane talent. They just can't put it together. No. And you know, they had that whole Grant Hill situation. But like, can you put almost signing Tim Duncan on the Mount Rushmore? I should have. That would have been a good joke. I think I, I think I used up all my material at this point. Oh no, I still have one more joke. Um, it's a good one. You'll like it. Philadelphia 76ers. This one is kind of interesting. It is kind so, of interesting. So Dr. J, I feel like is the obvious one. Yeah. I feel like Allen Iverson. Yep. Obvious one. Charles Barkley. Obvious. Yep. Who did you have as the last spot? I had Moses Malone. Interesting. That's a great choice. Moses Malone, 1983 season with the Sixers. One of the single greatest seasons by a player, I would say. NBA champion, NBA finals MVP, NBA MVP. Average 25 points, 15 rebounds, and two blocks. So I'm going you with know, Moses Malone. If I were to do this list over again, I'd keep, I'd kick. I didn't have Malone on my list. I should have. I'd kick, I'd keep Malone on my list or I'd add Adam to the list. I'd kick Barkley off. Wow. Embiid. I have Embiid on my list. Embiid. He's in my honorable mentions. Embiid. Embiid is a really tough one for me. Because he has defined this era of Sixers basketball for better or for worse. And for a lot of people, I think that's for worse. Um, he's come up really short in the playoffs. Not to the extent that some of his co-stars have. Right. But it's been bad. Um, but at the same time, like he's one of the best scorers at the center spot since probably Akeem, I would say. Him and, Jokic, like, him and Jokic being in the league at the same time is absolutely unfair. <laughs> Just the amount of scoring at that spot. Because they're both probably the best scorers at that spot since Akeem. And Embiid is just insane. And he's not going to get the credit, I think, that he deserves. And I'm, I'm guilty of this for sure because I could give him more credit. But Embiid is just ridiculous at everything he does. He just doesn't have enough stamina. That's literally the only thing holding him back is if he was in this much, like, 1% better shape, he's probably the best player in the world. <laughs> I would agree. That's literally the only thing holding him back. But it is what it is with that. Um, the Phoenix Suns, this one... I think there's two locks. I'm curious to see what you think. Yeah, this one, I agree there's two locks. So I had Steve Nash as the Washington. Yes, I did as well. Then I had Charles Barkley. Then I went Amari Stoudemire. I had him on my list. He was the... um. 
he would be the Roosevelt in this analogy for me. Okay. I had Stoudemire and then I went Walter Davis. Walter Davis. Walter Davis, the Suns all-time leading scorer, uh, two-time All-NBA. He was the 1978 Rookie of the Year. I wanted to put Devin Booker on here. I really did. But I went Walter Davis instead. See, I, I just went ahead. I wrote the bandit off. I put Booker on there. I wanted to badly. You know what? Fuck it. Walter Davis, bye. Devin Booker, you're in. <laughs> Fair enough. Devin Booker is on Zach's Rushmore. I mean, listen, it's especially with how long he's been there at this point. Like those 2015 guys have been there since for seven years now. Right. As crazy and as it is, we the, drafted Miles Turner over him. Listen, a lot of teams missed on Devin Booker. So you don't. Uh, well, we missed. We're one of them. Doesn't make me feel better. That is, that is very true. But Booker in Phoenix, I, th- I think that's the way it was meant to be because then he could go through his growing pains kind of anonymously. He got the 70 point game. You yeah. know, you were talking about the David Thompson 70 point game. You know, he technically didn't get over 70. He just got 70 exactly. And there was a little bit of shenanigans to get to 70, but hey. There was if, some shenanigans. <laughs> if you can get to 70, you know. You have to do it. You have to, exactly. So let he who hasn't get to 70 cast the first stone. And there's only like a couple of guys who can do that. So MJ never did it. No. The no, most MJ, MJ got was 69. It. MJ so. never did it. Will did it a boatload of times. David Robinson did it in pretty legendary fashion. David Robinson did it. David Thompson, like we said, Elgin Baylor, Kobe. So yeah. that's pretty Devin much Booker. and Devin Booker's on Booker. the <laughs> So the Portland Trailblazers. Portland. This, this is kind of hard. It was kind of hard. Two locks. Two locks for sure. Actually, three locks for me. Yeah, me too. But, I, I, you know, two locks, three locks is, you know, it feels a little bit generous, but you're not wrong. I right, Clyde the Glide. Oh, I forgot about him. <laughs> Clyde Drexler. Damian Lillard. Bill Walton. And Jeff Petrie. I went Jeff Petrie. Honorable mentions, LaMarcus Aldridge and Brandon Roy. Okay, well, I had, I'm, you know, since I forgot about Clyde Drexler, I'm changing my rule, but I am going to keep LaMarcus on. I'm going to kick Brandon Roy like off. Um, LaMarcus was a problem. We famously traded him for Tyrus Thomas. Could you imagine that Bulls team if it had LaMarcus Aldridge? <laughs> I'm sorry, Alex. I'm sorry. It's okay. You know, Garpax was on a roll in the <laughs> 2000s, and then we drafted not so great in the 2010s. And Tibbs, I think, ruined some guys. Shout out to. <sighs> I don't want to talk about it. Um, <laughs> why Jeff Petrie? I'm curious. Jeff Petrie, because 1971 Rookie of the Year. Had a short career with the Blazers, but averaged 22 points a game in his career with the Blazers. He was the guy. 
He was the greatest player in franchise history until Bill Walton showed up. That's my reasoning. I didn't realize. I never heard it. Like, I mean, I knew Jeff Petrie because he was the, I'm pretty sure he was general manager of the Kings at some point. He was, which, which is the last time they were good. Two-time executive of the year, Jeff Petrie with the Kings. Well, you know, you know, I generally don't associate good with Sacramento, but nobody does. <laughs> I, there's a lot of good guys on that 1977 Blazers team too, like Maurice Lucas, um, Lionel Hollins, you know, future Grizzlies coach. Lionel Hollins, you know, a lot of good, not like great guys. Um, Kevin Duckworth, <laughs> you know, Larry Nance. <laughs> They those aren't like Rushmore guys. I just felt like naming some Blazers, but I don't, like Lamarcus to me just was special. Like especially that stretch he had from like he was. I agree. That, that stretch from like twelve thirteen till he left in free agency was just I was phenomenal. He just couldn't be stopped from that. He basically. He was playing like Dirk and he just couldn't be stopped. And I, it was just a phenomenal run. And I feel like people don't give him enough credit for that. Um, the Sacramento Kings, <laughs> like we said earlier, this one was very hard. I think we both agree. Washington on this Rushmore is Oscar Robertson. I don't yes. think it's really close. No, I think we both agree. Lincoln on this one is Chris Weber. Yes. And then after that, the, um, the Jefferson is definitely the Grantland video of Vivek <laughs> saying Stauskas. And then Vivek saying Buddy Heald is Steph Curry. Steph, no, it's Steph Curry. <laughs> it's Isn't it Steph Curry with Clay's shooting, which is just Clay? I don't know what he said. The point of Vivek, Vivek is not on this rush one, that's for sure. I, I got to find the exact quote because it's hilarious. <laughs> Vivek, go back to Silicon Valley. Vivek. Vivek thinks Steph, Buddy has Steph Curry potential. Yeah, well, guess what? You were wrong, Vivek. Hate, this, hate to break it to you, but you were wrong. But then my last two were Jerry Lucas... And then I'm kind of a hypocrite for saying this because I think he's overrated. Mitch Richmond. Mitch Richmond. He was probably the best player in Sacramento history. Well, he was until Chris Weber showed up. So it's my guys. Honorable mentions, Peja, Mike Bibby. I also had Mitch Richmond, um, The Rock. He's very overrated, but he was really good in Sacramento, which, you know, unfortunately for this franchise, clears the bar. Um, I had Boogie. Prime I like Boogie, it. Prime Boogie was a problem, man. He was fucking awesome, dude. And people forget it because of these injuries, because the Kings just sucked. Like, he waste, his prime was wasted. And he, like, and he was pretty loyal. He was a loyal guy to the Kings. So... Uh, I like I like that. You want to like, talk about a you want to talk about a terrible roster. We were talking about. Do you want to just want me to read some of the names on the 2013-14 Kings? 
I bet I can name some. Okay, first let me. This wasn't the best boogie year. Twenty three and twelve on. 50% from that the That was field. like his breakout season. Yeah, one of the first. 23 is age 23 season. All right. So I'm going to go... I mean, you can make a case he was the best center in the league during that stretch. Like that three-year stretch. I'm going... All right, well, Rudy Gay was on the team. Rudy Gay was on the team. Isaiah Thomas was on the team. Isaiah Thomas was still on the team. Jason Thompson. Yes. All right, here we get Ben McLemore. This would have been his rookie year, yep. Give you a hint, Purdue legend. Carl Landry. Yep. Give you a hint, this guy was known for his rebounding. (laughs) Was Ray McCallum on the team? Ray McCallum was on the team. You You didn't get my first hint. Re a rebounder? Rebounder. That's literally all he was good at. I don't know. Reggie Evans. Yeah, this team was ass. Mike John, Malone. They fired Mike Malone. John Salmons. Marcus Thornton. <laughs> Grievous Vasquez, who was like one of the few good players on the team. Was Marcus Thornton on the team? Marcus Thornton was on the team. Wow. Um, Travis Outlaw. I think you might have already said that. Travis Outlaw. <laughs> Quincy AC. Yeah, I almost said him when you said rebounding. Yeah. Boogie was toiling away in anonymity for years. Yes, and he he's probably the most underrated, like, not most underrated player. He's probably he's the most underrated center. Of the last 15 years, probably. I would say, because, I mean, like I said, he was dominant. It's just sad. It's just really sad what happened to him. He was so fun to watch. And then he tore his Achilles, and that was it. He lost his burst. He was really good in Denver last year, too. I think, I'm surprised he hasn't signed yet, honestly. Like, I think they should give him another shot. He was, I thought he was really good. He won them that game in the playoff series against the Warriors this year. It's a shame. When he was in Sacramento before he got traded in 2017, 28 points a game. (laughs) 28, 11, five assists, a steal, and a block on what was his efficiencies? 47% from the field, 35% from three on six attempts a game. Or sorry, no, that's before he got hurt in, uh, in New Orleans. That second season in New Orleans, he was averaging 25 and 13 and five. He was a monster and he's so, so terribly underrated. And I wish his career did not go the way that it did, but here we are in the home stretch, Zach. Let's go ahead and finish this out strong. San Antonio Spurs, um, some scrub named Tim Duncan gets the first spot. Don't think it's close. Who do you have in the second spot? Is it? Tony, has Parker. To be Tony Parker, interesting. Okay. Oh, second spot? No, it's David Robinson. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm assuming you have Parker in the third spot then? Yes. And then I have Ginobili. Yeah. I was going to have Pop on here, but I have to have those four as well. Like. Left Gervin off, and I don't feel bad. No, you shouldn't. 
Gervin, also an asshole. I have a story about George Gervin. Oh, so, goodness. Me and my dad, there was like this, I was still in college. So it was like my sophomore year of college. There was like an ABA anniversary party at Hinkle Fieldhouse. And there were a bunch of old ABA players there. And George Gervin was there. George Gervin was there. And Julius Irving was there. A bunch of old Pacers players were there. And people were having... George Gervin was probably... George Gervin and Julius Irving were the most famous players there. So they were getting shit signed. And George Gervin was yelling at people. Like, yelling at people... In line, just have him sign shit. Like he was just yelling at Samaritans who wanted who wanted shit signed. So I was like, "Fuck you, dude! Don't sign my book. Fuck you." So that got him expelled from basically. And uh, just compared to these other three guys, he didn't. I don't think he did enough. Well, I mean, one of the great scores, but one of the great scores of all time. But I don't. I just don't think he did enough. No. And plus, I mean, to those guys, Tony Parker beats him one on one every time. Like, <laughs> right. not that that matters much since the NBA game is five on five, but you know, in my heart, it matters. It matters. So, um, Toronto Raptors. This one's hard since they're a young team. They well, have. I'm interested had, what you have. They have a lot. Do you want me to go first? Yes. Okay. Um, this is going to be interesting. I do not have Vince Carter. Wow. You want to talk about the way things ended? <laughs> I don't think Toronto fans. Are, I don't think they're ever going to get over that. Kyle Lowry's Washington. I don't think there's any dispute there. Yep. Like, I mean, especially with how much success they had with him there. I mean, he was a whole lot of the catalyst for them turning around their franchise. I agree. Kawhi, you know, I know he was only there for one year, but come on. I don't care. I don't care. Yeah, like it was a magical year. DeMar DeRozan, obvious. And then for the last spot, Zach, I got to go with Pascal Siakam. I like it. You know, I like Siakam. He's made two All-NBA teams already. You know, I like Siakam. Yeah, and he's just getting started. I would guess that probably Scotty Barnes is going to take one of these spots at some point. Yes. Scotty Barnes is going to be <laughs> holy shit. <laughs> I'm just going to say Jalen Green, Scotty Barnes, Cade Cunningham, and who else? Who am I forgetting? I'm forgetting a rookie. Evan Mobley. All four of those guys are coming for all four of the spots on their team's Rushmore's. Like, holy shit. What a rookie class. But that Siakam is just crazy good on offense and defense. And he honestly, I guess crazy as it sounds, because Vince Carter was really good. It's kind of like what you were talking about with Paul George. You know, if it hadn't ended the way it did, he's easily on there. But I'd say it was way worse than the way it ended with Paul George. <laughs> Has there ever been a superstar breakup worse than the Vince Carter? I thing? mean, just because it was like, I mean, Kawhi San Antonio is pretty bad. <laughs> Hold on, wait. I feel, Vince I feel Carter like that's pretty bad. Do we need to look at the Vince Carter trade to the Nets? Vince Carter made my rush one. I'm not surprised, but here, let me, let me remind you. But okay. The other three were the same. 
Alonzo Mourning, who did not want to play in Toronto. I believe he was bought out and ended up back in Miami. Aaron Williams, Eric Williams, and two first-round picks. Interesting. So the Nets gave up basically nothing to get Vince Carter. To get the best player in the trade. Oh, yeah. It's like basically... I'm trying to think of what the modern day equivalent would be. I mean, it's like if the Kawhi trade was like tamped down like several levels. Like if the Spurs got back, if the Spurs got back DeLon Wright <laughs> instead of DeMar DeRozan. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because this wasn't like all-star Alonzo Morning. This was like, no, 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 no. This was very, very late stage Alonzo Mourning. Late stage, past the prime. Way past the prime. That was... Yeah, here you go. Mourning never reported to the Raptors. Was bought out of his contract. Raptors team officials later said he did not meet the medical conditions to play. I think that was also after his um, medical issues after his like kidney rupture. So yeah, I wouldn't be Fair. surprised that there was some like fudging of the medical records to get him bought out. But what, you know, that's, that's in the, that's in the past, right. You know, but the last two Alex. Okay. Wait, wait. So I'm sorry. Who was the, so you said Vince instead of Siakam. Yeah. You know what? That is very fair. Like, I just think what he did for the basketball community in Canada as a whole, has to be has to be put into perspective. He did put it on the map and then he t- promptly took them back off the map. Okay, the Utah Jazz. Yes, yeah, so two locks. Of two locks Stockton. Um I have three locks. I have Carl Malone, John Stockton, and Darren Williams forcing Jerry Sloan into retirement. Yeah. Yeah. Not very fond of Darren Williams. I am not. Also, the worst jerseys in NBA history, these new jerseys they've announced. They have the worst jerseys in NBA history. That's the real reason Donovan Mitchell wants out these jerseys. <laughs> then I'm going with Adrian Dantley and the good one. Two good ones. Two good ones. That's who I'm going with. Um. So... This is my last coach one. He deserves it. Because he deserves it. Jerry Sloan is one of the best coaches in NBA history, despite not winning a ring. He's one of the 10 best. And I know I said I reserved it for dynastic coaches, but I mean, building that level of foundation and success in Utah, you know, he was pretty successful after Malone and Stockton too. So he deserves credit for that. And then I had Rudy Gobert. And I know I'm not going to argue it because of the resume. Just look at the resume. It's just like the the Utah history outside of those two. (laughs) Like, I'm not going to argue with what you said, but those two that you chose aren't very inspiring. No, (laughs) they're just not. Adrian Danley did not accomplish much. No. And Pete Maravich was good stats, bad team, like Hall of Fame. Yes. (laughs) Like... So I was going to come up with very a good fun to watch, but yes, I get like, what you're saying. 
he was all flash is all sizzle no substance you know just like and Maravich is one of the biggest draws of the 70s he's probably the best college basketball player of all time right that's not named Kareem or Bill Walton he probably is but college basketball and NBA are two different games or Leitner or Leitner well I would say those three those three are the top three and then I think college basketball became something different later yeah and so Leitner is probably the best modern college basketball player. But Maravich, I think Maravich, Walton, and Kareem are probably the three best. Like of the, you know, weird era where like they outlawed dunking because Kareem is like, oh my God, it's an unfair advantage. So fun. We don't want fun. No fun. No <laughs> so fun. that's basically what it was. No fun. It's, it just didn't translate to the NBA for Maravich. And, he just wasn't I'm not saying he wasn't good because he clearly was good at basketball just sometimes sometimes you could be good at basketball and just sometimes you don't win games you know sometimes the stuff you're good at doesn't equal winning basketball games the last one the last team very hard the dirt. one of the hard dirt one of the hardest um the Washington Wizards I wouldn't say there were any locks for this one dirt um Wes Unseld Yes. What's on sale to Elvin Hayes or the locks for me? I would say I would have John Wall. I listen, I think John I don't Wall know if you're gonna I don't know if you're gonna laugh at who I have, but you oh might know. Please Okay, go ahead and tell me. Okay. Let me find it here. I lost it. Okay, here it is. Walt Bellamy. Look at Walt Bellamy's stats his first four seasons in the league. He played for uh, they were the Chicago Packers who eventually became the the Baltimore Bullets. The Baltimore Bullets, yes. Walt Bellamy's first four seasons in the league. Then I have Gilbert Arenas. Gilbert Arenas. <laughs> I don't hate it is the problem. Just based on stats alone. Empty well, not totally empty. They were making the playoffs. They made the... See, the thing... Okay, I have Wall and Beal. Um, That's fair. I thought about Beal. With Wall, at least they were winning games. You know? They like when he, finals. When he was good... Right, I'm going to pull up their franchise index. Because when he was good... Right before he tore his Achilles. So even that year he tore his Achilles, they were actually pretty damn good. They won 43 games. Yeah. <laughs> um so 41 and 40. So like okay, starting in 2013-14, the first year, I guess that would have been the last year of his rookie contract. 44 and 38, 46 and 36, 41 and 41, 49 and 33, the year where they infamously, you know lose in the second round to the Celtics in the Isaiah Thomas series. Yes. I mean, Wall is probably a top five point guard in that time. He tears his Achilles, signs the Supermax, loses the fastball. But he was a damn good point guard, Zach. And yeah, he was. That franchise is sorry. Like they've never won. They haven't won 50 games. 
since 1979. In a long time. My mom was born in 1976. <laughs> my mom 79, was 79. My dad was seven. Yeah. Our parents weren't, were barely. <laughs> Your dad was in second grade the last time the Wizards won 50 games. <laughs> So LeBron wasn't born yet. <laughs> LeBron wasn't born yet. Michael Jordan was still in high school. There you go. That's Magic Johnson was still at was still at Michigan State. Oh my god, that's a good way to put it. Nineteen seventy nine. Who was the president? Would Jimmy have been Carter. Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter. There you go. Yeah, this is a rat franchise, and that's that's my rationale for putting John Wall on there, is that he, I mean, that's just a level of success. And just think about the guys he got paid to. Remember Trevor Ariza, Martel Webster, Otto Porter, Otto Porter. I mean, John Wall is the point god. I like, I mean, not the point god, but John Wall is one of the best pure pa- passers in the league. Maybe could have been the point god. I mean, could have been. We'll never know. I mean, that Achilles tear was really unfortunate. Yeah, it was. And I guess I didn't realize, I didn't remember them winning 43 games. They were the eighth seed that year? What year? The year that he tore his Achilles. I didn't even realize. I think 2018 oh. was the last time they made the playoffs with him. He, that's because that's not the year that he tore his Achilles. They just were the eighth seed. He, um... In the playoffs that year against the Raptors, 26, 26, 11, 26 and 11 and six rebounds on 44% from the field. If he just ever figured out how to shoot, it's a different story for him. But right. Yeah, it is a very different story. But, you know, can't go rewriting players' careers. Um, <laughs> this was a long one. I'm not even going to bother to do a proper outro because I don't even know when this is going to be released. So Zach, thank you for joining me. <laughs> thank you. This is our last off season pod that we stashed. So I want to thank Zach for, um, this is actually the first one we recorded, but, um, just the way things worked out, this is the last one I wanted to put out. There's about two weeks left till the season kicks off. JD and I, um, had a little recording snafu at the top 100. So that's going to come out next Monday. And then season previews, I want to do that later in the week, but JD and I are going to be recording. <laughs> We're going to be finishing the top 100 and doing the East over-unders on the first night. Then we're going to be doing West over-unders and we're going to be doing teams. We're going to be getting into the teams. I'm so excited. The season kicks off in 12 days, like not even 12 days. It's going to be in 11 days. I'm so excited. Make sure you check that out. Make sure you check out Linsanity this week. It was another monologue. Folks, thank you so much for listening to all the stuff on the Running Cook Podcast Network. Thank you for bearing with me. This was a tough off-season, probably the toughest one. Not a lot of been a tough move but just in terms of being able to record podcasts but thank you for bearing with me and i appreciate you listening to these pods thank you so much